Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. This is Liz Lenovey, and I am joined by Megan Crow, Mary Simon, and Amy Gunn. And this episode is sort of the companion piece to Mary's episode a couple weeks ago about winning is everything. And that's because it's about losing something that none of us want to talk about. None of us were excited (laughs) to record this episode. (laughs) But if you're going to have a career in this industry, if you're going to be a trial lawyer, loss is a topic that you have to address and loss is something that you are more likely than not going to experience at some point. Whenever I hear about an attorney that has a 100% success rate, I roll my eyes because it tells me that they're taking real easy cases and they're probably not working them up real hard. So on this topic of loss, when I was trying to prepare myself to talk about this, I just wrote some general ideas down. And the first one that I came up with was just that losing sucks. It is the hardest part of this job, I think. But it is a natural part of this job. But the other thing that I wrote down is that losing is not synonymous with failure. That is something that I had to learn the hard way and learn from watching people I think are great attorneys who have lost cases, but having incredibly successful careers. What I want to do today, though, just to kick this conversation off, is just talking about our own personal losses. I think that that is a really important part of normalizing the discussion of loss in this profession. So, Mary, I want to kick it off with you. Can you tell us your big loser story? Sure. Happy to kick this conversation off, Liz. Thanks for asking. (laughs) First, I've got to say, ego, you cannot let your ego get in the way, right? Talk about a humbling experience. Just go in, lose a big motion, lose a trial. It will bring you straight back down to earth. Okay, so I'm glad that we're talking about this because a lot of times in the legal profession, there's a lot of puffing your chest and talking about all the W's that you have behind your name, but no one ever wants to talk about the loss. And everyone has lost a case, has lost a motion. I mean, every day, any motion that's heard, someone loses and someone wins it. The biggest story of loss that I can talk about that really affected me the most, I was actually a law clerk at this office and I was working with Amy and Liz on a case and you know our client lost their 17 year old daughter it was a medical malpractice case horrific fact pattern we had worked up the case we knew the ins and outs of the case and I believed in the clients I don't think you can try a case and not believe in the clients but I just believed in them so much and I knew we were in the right I just felt it I knew we were on the right side and when the jury came back in You're standing there with a family, a mother and a father who no longer have their child, and you're standing there waiting for the judge to read the verdict, and when you hear it's a defense verdict, you just stand there, don't react. Maybe you want to glance at the jurors and just look at them and acknowledge the fact that they've put in so much time to listen to your case and look at the judge, look at the other attorney, shake hands with the other lawyers, say nice job, and then you go home and cry and have a drink. At least that's what I did after Several. that case. Right. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, this really sucks. 
I don't even know if I want to be a lawyer if you have to feel this sort of loss. And not to mention looking your clients in the eye after the case is lost and say, I'm so sorry, but we tried. We did everything we could. And to have your client look back at you and say, thank you so much and give you a hug after you lost the case. I don't know how to put words to that moment or what that feeling is. Humility comes to mind. It just humbles you. But man, a family puts their whole, all of their trust in you to work up this case over a two plus whatever year period. And in about 30 seconds, you get told that you lost. That was the most impactful loss so far that I've been a part of. The one thing that I will say, though, is it didn't change how I felt about the clients or the case. It really didn't. And I wouldn't change ever being on that side of the case. If you said married, if you wanted to go back in time and be on the defense team in that case and have a win or lose the case five times again with the same clients and the same facts, I'd pick losing every time. And I think that that speaks to being a plaintiff's attorney. I don't think you can be a plaintiff's attorney if you wouldn't have that sentiment, but I'd imagine it's shared, but it's just believing in the client, knowing that you're on the right side and not being afraid to take the risk and be in the situation that we were in after we lost the case and having, you know, one bad night waking up in the morning and saying, what's the next case? Let's just get going on the next one. So I think that loss was the most impactful for many reasons, but mostly because it was the first time where I really had to look the client in the eye and then they hugged me after the case was over. After that happened, I was thinking in my head, geez, I wonder what winning feels like. The client's hugging me right now and they're sad, but you know, we still have a relationship and we really did try our best. That same case is the first one that immediately came to my mind. That was the first case I got to try as a new attorney and I remember... I didn't do it in front of the jury and I didn't do it in front of defense counsel, but the moment I got into my car, I cried. And it wasn't because of losing. It was because I felt like this family had not gotten justice. It was focusing on the family and just how much faith they had put in us. And Mary, you're 100% right that these were fantastic people that were so kind. And that's what I find about most of our clients. And I remember another case that we lost, we'd worked with another office. The clients gave us a gift basket. We lost their trial. We lost a trial and they gave us a gift basket because we had fought so hard for them. They understood how hard it was and they were just so appreciative. And as frustrating sometimes as clients can be, and we've talked about that, they really do make the job worth it at the end of the day. And obviously we are hoping to get them financial compensation and help them be taken care of for the rest of their lives or in some way make up for whatever loss that they have experienced. But the actual feeling of getting to provide that is so powerful that it, in my mind, makes up for the tough cases that we lose. So I feel badly, Liz and Mary, (laughs) Because I was lead counsel on that trial that we lost and apparently scarred both of you for life. So my apologies for that. No, no, Amy. (laughs) I will never, ever forget that you were cross-examining the defendant doctor and a young woman died. She died. And I have a specific memory of the defendant doctor saying, these things happen. It doesn't matter. Really quickly, 
because you were doing a really good job building up to the different errors that happened throughout the course of her treatment, to hear her say that, and there was a long pause. You paused for a very long time, so that could really sink in. The jury could understand that she just said it doesn't matter when you lose after that, it almost makes you feel like you've lost a little bit of faith in humanity, you know, to hear that testimony come out and then lose the case. But I think that was one of the reasons why it was so impactful. And I'm sure Liz echoes that same sentiment, but it was so emotionally charged. It was a very emotionally charged case. And that's one of the reasons why I think it was so impactful for me. One other memory I really have from that trial is that when the First of all, it was not 12 0, it was 9 3. I remember that. But what I remember is that when the judge asked the jury, you know, is this your verdict? The foreman shook his head, yes, but there was one young woman on the jury panel that she could not have shook her head no harder. And what that told me is whoever that woman was, and I can still see her face, and that's been five years. She believed in our case, and she, I, I assume, had to go in there and fight for it because she looked upset that this is what the jury had done and that tells me that even though we lost people did believe in the case and people did fight for us in that jury room and when the judge polled the jury she again was very adamant no this is not my verdict and that tells me that it was a good case to try and it was also one that there was no offer beforehand you got to take your swing so amy can you tell us? I feel bad I just, now. I just bristled because before we started recording, I had to think about all the cases that I've lost. And y'all, it's not a small number. But that's because you've tried a lot of cases. Yes. And I will always repeat John Simon's very encouraging phrase, which is if you're not losing cases, you're not trying cases particularly on our side of the V. We're in a position where, as you just said, Liz, that case was a zero offer. So what are our choices? Walking away or taking our swing? And real trial attorneys will take their swing and will take their loss if that's what happens, if that's the jury's decision. On that particular case, that was a terrible loss because this isn't going to be terribly popular, and I'm not trying to shirk away from my responsibility in that matter, but I felt like there was racism in that case in the jury. Honestly, our clients were Palestinian refugees, did not speak English, mother wore a full burqa, and I just can't believe knowing the facts of that case and the tragedy of that loss and the strength of our evidence that that didn't play a role and again I'm not trying to justify it or to say this wasn't my fault or I had nothing to do with it but it made me lose some faith in our jury system which is the bedrock of why I get out of bed in the morning right. for my career which was terribly harmful and hurtful. I'm always going to be willing to show up when the bell rings and put on my case. But it's hard for the family in that situation not to believe that the jury just didn't give them the care 
that I think they should have because of some preconceived bias. So that has stuck with me on that case. Now, both Mary and Liz, you've told stories about that case that honestly I didn't remember. I remember the defendant cardiologist being really out of her mind. Abrasive. Yeah. It was jarring. And she gave up so much that we believed was going to put us over the edge to win that case. And yet the jury apparently forgave her for all of her sins. But one thing that was very important to learn earlier in my career than now is I lost a trial, you know, had been in trial all week, had spent the previous probably two weekends working on it. And I get home, my children, Nathan was probably four, Connor was probably seven. And I get home, I'm moping around as you do, feeling sorry for yourself. And Nathan comes up to me and says, mom, why are you so sad? And I said, oh, baby, I lost my case. And he says, I'll help you find it. (laughs) And that's a true, I mean, that's a true story. And I'll never forget it because I instantly just snapped out of it because this is a child, my child, who's concerned about me and is able to sort of pull out this perspective of, let me help you through this. And I will never forget that, but also think of that when I lose a case. And it helped me on the path of learning how to lose and, more importantly, how to get over a loss. It's almost like a quick, it'll be okay. Yes. It's a total reality check that you're not alone in this world, that there are other things going on in your life that are important. And we have a hard time in the moment remembering that because trials are all-consuming. They are all-consuming for insert number of days or weeks coming up to it and exhausting. And we put so much on ourselves to be the person who provides the justice to our client. And what we have to remember is we're not the ones rendering justice. We're the ones providing the opportunity for justice. And if the jury rejects it, as long as we feel like we've worked ourselves silly getting ready for it and dotted every I and crossed every T and thought of every strategy and showed up and worked hard and gave it our best, that's the job. I remember coming back. I had a case I tried for about a week in Ohio a number of years ago, medical malpractice, tough case, no offer in a foreign jurisdiction for me. I'm driving there, and I kind of had worried about our chances at winning that case before I even went. I didn't take anybody with me. I had no support staff there, which was my choice, because I just wanted to make as small a footprint as possible. (laughs) And my client obviously was there. It was a wrongful death case. We lose the case. Mary, to your point, I got my hug. I got my thank you for being our vehicle for presenting this case to a jury. It's so powerful to be that person. You can't forget how powerful it is to be someone who can offer the chance at justice to our clients. 
And I would never give that up as many times as I've been through it and lost and been heartbroken. But on the way home, driving home from Ohio, obviously upset and tired and rethinking every decision, every step that I took and second guessing myself, it dawned on me that I had done my job, which was to do all those things, work the case up, show up to trial, do the hard work and surrender to the jury. It's the job. And my takeaway from that was, this is gonna sound totally opposite of what it should, but how proud of myself I was that I'm capable of doing that, even with the loss, that I'm capable and competent to do that job, which so few of us can do. And I don't mean to sound arrogant about that, but so few lawyers are trained and competent to take a case from an initial phone call from a client to a jury verdict, win or lose, a jury verdict, win or lose. And what you'll find typically is no one really asks you how much you win or lose. They just want to know if you track cases because the value is being able to do that. So, Amy, that actually leads pretty well into the story that I was going to share. So I just had my first jury trial experience that I got to actually participate in, and unfortunately we lost. It was kind of a risk in taking the case. We knew that, like all cases are, because there was some comparative fault. And it was a motor vehicle accident, and our story was that a client made a right turn seeing no vehicles coming and shortly went into the other lane and Shortly thereafter, she was rear-ended. The defense story is that she made the turn, cut across two lanes right in front of his vehicle, and he had nowhere else to go. And unfortunately, there was no police report. There were no witnesses. It was a he said, she said. And so we got the best evidence that we could. We went up there. We told our story. They told their story. And what it came down to is that the jury just ended up believing the defense's version of events. And they found that the accident was not the defendant's fault. And so this was a tough loss for me, particularly because it was my first time getting to participate in the trial process. And obviously I wanted to win really badly for our client and get her some justice, but I also wanted to win really badly for me. I wanted to be able to say that I tried my first case before I was 27 years old in federal court and won, and that didn't happen. And so I think that was a hit to my ego and my pride as much as it was sad for me to have to experience that with the client, that I couldn't get her a win. It's still a little fresh for me as we're recording this, and I've had some time to lick my wounds, so to speak. And the more I think about it, the more I'm just really grateful to have had that experience. And it was so invaluable because now I know what the process is like. I know what I liked what I did. I know what I wish I could do better. Like you said, you go and you rethink every little thing that you could have done differently. And so the more I think about it, the more I just take it as that learning experience. So a long time ago, a very long time ago, and there's a quote, I heard it for the first time, probably when I was in middle school cheerleading, my first competitive cheer coach told us, uh, you can only appreciate what it's like to be on the highest mountain peak if you've been in the lowest valley. And I think that's true. 
I think if you know what losing feels like, then it will make that win even sweeter and you can really appreciate what you've worked for even more. And we are very proud of you. Thank you. Because yeah, that's awesome. I think if you were to take a poll of your colleagues, even those that aspire to be trial attorneys, I mean, how many have tried a case before they're 27? Unless you're in criminal law, like a prosecutor's office or a public defender's office. But in civil practice, it's very difficult to get a case to trial. And you really have done a lot. I mean, that's a big deal to do what you've done. The confidence that you're going to take away, it's going to take a little time. I know how fresh it is. It's going to take a little time. It's always going to be in the back of your mind. But the confidence that you're going to take away from having done it, start to finish, standing there, you're never going to forget the feeling of waiting for that jury verdict to be read. It's breathtaking. I can feel it now in the 40 times that I've stood there and waited for it. And it's so impactful and powerful in your own confidence and competency, even with the loss, like forget about the loss, but the fact that you've done that is really impressive. And you should be very proud of yourself because I know we are. And two things that keep standing out to me after hearing from both Amy and Megan is that it's not about us. What? Oh, With I was the... about to tell a story about myself. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. <laughs> Just hear me out. Oh, okay. It's not about us because we're working for somebody else. So the entire time that we're getting ready to try a case, the hours we're pouring into it, when the judge is reading the jury verdict, all we're thinking about is our client's reaction to what is about to happen. It just is humbling to know that no matter what the outcome is, it's not just us who we're thinking about, it's also our client. It also helps us to wake up the next day and try harder on the next case. I also think that another important piece of this is that there's different ways to lose a case, right? But one is that you're not prepared and you're not ready to go in and try the case. You can avoid that. The other is to actually be prepared, go in, try your hardest, work up the case in the right way, check all the boxes that you need to before. And that that feeling of loss is a whole lot different. That's what we're talking about. And that's a whole different feeling than knowing that you're unprepared walking into a courtroom, which is something that the attorneys at this office, we don't let that happen. It's two totally different avenues of losing. And that's why, Megan, to your point, we know you worked on the case as much as you possibly could and worked it up to the point where you were absolutely prepared walking into the courtroom. So leaving and you telling us that you lost the case, it's only something that what Amy's talking about, it's just you've learned a lot and now you have a whole toolbox of stuff that you can take to your next trial, which is pretty powerful. Definitely the experience of just going through the motions. You can know your case backwards and forwards, but I think something that was valuable for me as a new attorney is the logistics of how to try a case. And that's something that I've had as a huge takeaway from this experience, even though the loss sucks. All of this has reminded me of a story that I, I can't believe I had forgotten up until now. This case was a couple years ago. I was very green. 
I had been given a lot of responsibility in this case, and it was also a case that we had inherited. And so we hadn't worked up a lot of the case. Another attorney had. It was a really tough one. The client knew that it was a really tough case, and it was not close to home. It was a big drive every day, not far enough away to justify getting a hotel room. It was just a 40-minute drive every morning (laughs) to court for a week straight. But what I remember from that case is at the end of it, the client, and he knew how young I was, and he knew that I was new. He came up to me, and he sat down next to me on the bench, and he goes, you know, sweetie, he was an old man. He was an older man. He wasn't being creepy. I think he looked at me like a granddaughter. Um, he goes, you know, sweetie, I just want to tell you, you look like a China doll up there, but you're a real pit bull. Now, weird racial undertones aside, <laughs> pushing that aside for a moment, what that told me in that moment is that he could see how new I was, but how hard I was working and that I approached that case like I think all of the attorneys in this office approach a case, dog on a bone. Even though we knew that the odds were against us on that case, we were still going to give it 100% and we were going to give our client the representation he deserved in that case. It was not a moment of, we're probably going to lose, so I'm going to cash it in. No, we're going to go in there and we're going to go out swinging. That was a tough loss as well, but it taught me that no matter the circumstances, no matter the facts of the case, you need to go in there and give it your all because it's what you deserve as an attorney, first of all, and your professional reputation, but also it ultimately is what the client deserves and it's what we owe to the client. And 99 times out of 100, the client is going to appreciate, even if you've lost, the client is going to appreciate that you went in there and you fought for them and they're going to see that you fought for them. And so that is what I have taken out of every loss I've ever experienced, whether it's at trial or an emotion. I just want my client to know that I'm fighting for them. So I don't want to end this conversation on bummer stories. (laughs) So maybe we can talk about cases where or situations where we felt like we've lost, but we've had a comeback. We've somehow turned it around. And, you know, when I was doing research on this, looking up great comeback stories, the one that I saw that really stood out to me was Stacey Abrams. Mm. 2018, she lost the Georgia's governor's race, and it was a heartbreaking loss. And I don't think anyone would have blamed her if she just completely stepped away from politics. No one would have, you know, said anything bad about her. But she took that loss and she ran with it. And, and what she was able to do in the following election, regardless of your political affiliation, what she was able to do should be an inspiration to all of us. And so I was trying to think of what's my Stacey Abrams story, and I don't have anything nearly that impressive. But the story that I thought of was it was another trial, and we had had our pretrial, and I got some evidence sprung on me right before the pretrial. And it was bad evidence (laughs) of my client. (laughs) And I remember talking to a more senior attorney in the office. And when I told him what had been revealed, he goes, oh, no, that's terrible. (laughs) Your cases, insert expletive expletive here, (laughs) settle that case. Get out. Get out now. And we didn't have that option. It was a no-offer case. We didn't have the option of getting out now. So I had to go in and take my swing. And what I was able to do was take that bad fact. In this particular case, it was basically video footage of how well my client was doing. And what I was able to do, my sort of comeback, was spin it. How can I spin this? 
And so what we ended up presenting at trial was spinning these videos of, of my client doing incredible athletic feats of she did this because she worked really hard and she's got to work hard. And you know what? The defendant's going to get up here and they're going to tell you that they should get credit for her hard work, that you should reduce the value of her case because she put the hours in the gym and the defense attorney stood up and he didn't talk about the videos at all. Perfect. <laughs> amazing. Exactly. So that was a bit of a risky move, but it paid off in the end. And so that's something that I learned that, again, even when the odds are against you, you got to figure out a way to just go and swing in. So Megan, what's your story? So again, not huge like Stacey Abrams or anything. <laughs> One thing comes to my mind and it's, I guess it's not a loss per se, but when I had first started working here, I took my very first deposition within maybe about two weeks of me starting to work here. And it was fine, but I think the defense attorney on the other side could just sense that I was new and nervous. And so he objected a lot. He came across as very condescending. And it was kind of a bummer that I was feeling that this defense attorney was acting that way. And afterwards, I was thinking about what I could do better, not only in terms of my actual questioning, but my demeanor, my responses to his objections and, and things like that. And so I felt mad, not that I felt like I lost because it was just a deposition, but that he left probably thinking that he was superior or that his case was better because of this. So cut to maybe two months later and I had another deposition against him in the same case. And I was pumped because at this point I've taken a handful of depositions and I already know how he's going to act. I know he's thinking he can walk all over me and I know what he's going to object to and I'm planning for it. And so we did that deposition. In my head, I had been referring to it as like a revenge deposition, even though that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, I'm following it. I was like, it's my revenge deposition. <laughs> and I took it and it went great. I was pumped afterwards and I was feeling good. I was so prepared for everything he threw at me. And I walked out of that feeling so good that if he had before, he could no longer underestimate me as the attorney on the other side of that case. What a good feeling. Hell yeah. What a good feeling. That's the best feeling. Mary, what's your good feeling story? So me and this other attorney who probably has 35 plus years on me in terms of just practicing law, he and I had were working on a case together and he did the same thing, Megan, just super condescending. He was the first deposition I ever had after being licensed and a lot of first hearings, a lot of first types of arguments, a lot of first types of motions. And he filed a motion for summary judgment and he kept calling me and telling me, this judge has to hear argument on it, and it's a really compelling argument. And he just would call me and tell me how he's going to win this motion for summary judgment. He had told me how my case isn't worth anything, kind of the same thing where I'm thinking in my head, you know, at certain points, I'm wondering if I'm doing something wrong by how much he tells me that I'm crazy, you know. And he filed this motion for summary judgment, and I was thinking in my head, you know what, this is one thing that he can't touch. It's my legal writing. I can spend as much time on this as I want. We're not in front of a judge that he's known for 20 years. I know how to write a compelling argument. 
I finished writing it. I filed my response to his motion for summary judgment. And he called me and said, did you write the response? And I said, yes. And he went, wow, I, I was very impressed. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know if this is also <laughs> kind of a manipulative. I don't know what he's trying to get at with this. But then he reiterated, just so you know, the judge has to hear argument on it. And then he would talk to me using the judge's first name to kind of show that he knows the judge really well. And the judge entered an order on the pleadings. And I won wow. the motion for oh, summary yeah. judgment. When does that <laughs> ever happen? And this is coming from the judge who has to hear argument on every single motion, according to this lawyer who's on a first-name basis with her and who I've never even been in front of. And we got an order, and it quoted the language in my briefing, and it laid out the argument. And I printed that out, and I still have it. I remember walking down to my dad's office. He was working on the case with me. I just walked down and handed him the order, and I was like, we don't need to argue this. We don't need to drive anywhere for the hearing. We won the motion. And he just looked and stared at me and was like, does, does so-and-so know this? Like the other lawyer, I'm like, yeah, it was filed on CaseNet. <laughs> He's got notice of it too. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And I knew that he could feel the same sort of energy or comeback feeling of like, I know I can do this. Even though you have so much more experience than me, we are equal in terms of what we can file and how we can argue and it was just such a good feeling to come from a place of kind of feeling insecure to winning something on the pleadings. I was like, yes, I did this, <laughs> you know. And don't don't lose that feeling. The next time you feel like you're outgunned or someone tries to make you feel lesser than, because it'll happen. It'll happen purposely or, or not purposefully, whether you're a woman or young or whatever, insert the situation. But that's a great thing to remember, that we're all going to be presented with situations where part of the strategy of litigation is to make you feel unprepared or intimidated. And if you allow that to happen, it's sort of letting them win. But it's kind of hard to talk yourself into believing that you're completely prepared that you're 100% competent. I mean, those are things we all have a little bit of self-doubt. So stories like that, Mary, are so wonderful, and I want you to remember them because it's going to happen again, unfortunately. it's gonna. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> as long as it has a good comeback, then. My ultimate takeaway might be that you do reach a point where you don't have to have the comeback to feel good or to make yourself feel better. It's just you can lose and be okay. You can lose and not feel like you have to have a victory to balance it out. You can lose and know you've done a good job despite the loss. I don't know when I crossed that threshold, but I I have. Now, I don't want to believe that it makes me slow down on my preparation or pull back on my passion for this job or for my clients, but there will be a time where you can lose and not feel like a loser. Got to uh, find the wins and the losses. Correct. I think, to your point, I'm thinking about my trial that I just did, and even though the end result was a loss, I'm thinking about the little wins in the middle of it that make it okay. You know, we got a lot of good rulings 
from the judge on jury instructions and motions in limine and other things like that. Or you leave the case and you can walk out of the courtroom and still know that you're a damn good lawyer and that your career isn't over and you'll will have another trial and clients will trust you with very important pieces of their lives. It's the arc of a career that, at least for me, took some time to really understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm just thankful that I'm in a profession that constantly challenges me, but presents opportunities for me to be in a position that I can create justice for someone. I'm not always going to be successful in that, but just the opportunity for that is really powerful. I can't think of a better way to end the episode than on that note. So with all of that being said, thank you so much, ladies, for another great conversation. And thank you so much to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode. As you know, new episodes drop every Wednesday. And if you have thoughts or ideas for future episodes, please reach out to us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And thank you so much. Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And if you love Heels in the Courtroom, check out the other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. John Simon's The Jury Is Out podcast focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice and dive into the legal drama behind America's first medical malpractice case against opioid overprescription in Results Don't Lie. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.